We're not creative enough, and we're not positive enough. It's coming home, it's coming home, it's coming, football's coming home. We'll go on getting back, it's on getting back, it's on getting back, it's on getting back. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined today uh, by my co-host, Nick Polak. Nick, what's going on? Hey, we're playing football. I, I thought you were going for uh, a Fonzie thing there. I, I didn't think you were. Uh, I didn't think that was just a general greeting from Nick. So I was pleasantly surprised by that. You know, I, 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 I don't think I've ever actually said that out loud before like that but i do often respond to text messages and like slack and stuff like that with a y e maybe a couple e's on the end so i figured i'd give it a try yeah i i mean i'm italian so i go hey Uh, there was actually one time fairly recently where i spilled some water and i went oh and i like then just stood there for a second and contemplated things. Uh, speaking of contemplating things, I am contemplating my uh, friendship with Matt Filipovitz because uh, earlier today he told me that he thinks that all bagels suck. Bagels are bad, but I am very excited. We're here to discuss the biggest Penn State news today, which is the commitment of a walk-on six foot six, two hundred twenty, two hundred and twenty pound punter. Yes, so, this is what happens. This I'm is what happens when you grow up in Pennsylvania. This is what happens when you grow up in Pennsylvania. You don't have an appreciation for bagels. Yeah, you, just, we, we really did ambush Matt by putting him on with the two New Jersey people from the site, didn't we? The, the second I, I got your message and I'm like, oh, Nick's in this. I'm just going to get roasted for not liking bagels for an hour, which is fine. Bagels are bad and it's a hell I'll die on. <laughs> uh, what, whatever. You're, it, it, it must be nice to uh, willingly be wrong about things. But yes, as uh, Matt mentioned... Any and all complaints, please tweet at PSUMatt2005. That's right. Uh, for In a total aside from the main reason we're going to be talking today, uh, Penn State earned a commitment from Gabriel Nwosu. The, he's the number 112 punter in his recruiting class. He's a high school a teammate of Christian Veu, and as Matt mentioned, uh, I, I apologize for burying the lead here. Six six and two twenty, folks. So, if the punter thing doesn't work out, he has a future at power forward for Pat Chambers and the Nittany Lions. But uh, we're not going to uh, talk too terribly much about uh, all of that because it, it, it's a big day, not just in Penn State football, but in college football as the Big Ten which, of course, opted earlier this year, or earlier this uh, summer, deciding on August 11th that it was going to postpone its college football season, try to play in the spring, spring, winter, whatever it might be, citing uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Reversed course today, it's a move that had been uh, speculated about pretty heavily for a couple of days uh, by... You know, national reporters, uh, a bit longer than that uh, if you are a person who uh, likes boats. But the Big Ten will make its return around October 24th, uh, putting forth a number of extremely strict medical protocols in an event to make this a safe attempt 
at returning. There's going to be daily testing. There are some very strict guidelines in place uh, in the event that a player does test positive. You know, there are fail-safes in place for, that might shut down uh, a team's ability to play. All of these things uh, that have had been discussed by the Big Ten, by its presidents, by doctors within uh, the conference, that sort of thing. So now we're here. Now we're in a position where... Uh, Something that seemed very, very unlikely a month ago, it's now happening. And Nick, I mean, you, I almost feel weird asking for your immediate reaction when you heard the news, because this is something that I think we've all had, at the very least, a couple of days to start processing and start getting prepared for uh, before the news was officially announced today. Yeah, I will say firstly, not just boats, Bill, boats that were knighted by the Queen. So, you know, keep that in mind. What are you talking about? Don't you have to, or, oh no, because you can be, because that would have to be part of the official title to become the Sir, right? Yeah, I think you, there's a, there's a coronation process. I don't know. I'm, I'm not English. We have, we have friends who are of English descent who can uh, tell you the process that goes into becoming a Sir, but neither here nor there. You're talking about Sir Yacht? (laughs) Yes, Matt. <laughs> we were talking about Sir Yacht. I thought so. Um, yeah. So immediate rec- Yeah, like you said. I mean, it's kind of it's it's weird because we've had a couple days where we we knew what was coming. We knew this was going to happen. Uh, but still, I mean, it's it's still somewhat of an immediate reaction because if I mean four or five days ago, I was very resigned to the fact that we probably were not going to see football until maybe January at the earliest. Um, and for me personally, I mean, that really does mean no college football at all because I have not been able to bring myself to watch any college football yet to this point. Um, but my immediate reaction to this is that I'm not going to pretend like I'm displeased that we're going to get to watch Penn State football. Of course, I'm happy that we're going to get to watch Penn State football this fall. I, I love Penn State. I love watching them play. But it's it's still a weird feeling it's it's actually a very similar to um, the other day. The Mariners and the A's played a doubleheader in Seattle in what was uh, deemed I don't remember what, whether where exactly it was on the scale, but it was extremely hazardous conditions with the smoke, um, and they played anyway. And there's a quote from Jesus Lazardo after the game, the A's starter from Game One, saying, "I'm I'm a 22 year old." Um, fit as I can be guy. And if I'm having trouble breathing, like, why are we playing baseball? Obviously a different situation with a pandemic as compared to smoke, but it's still kind of a similar feeling to me when they started playing that double header. It just felt weird because it was really clear. They shouldn't have been playing. I still enjoyed watching them play because I am a Mariners fan and I enjoy watching them play baseball, but this just, literal literal in this case but this cloud is just hanging over all of it saying that should you really be playing sports right now and that's kind of where i'm at at the moment with college football with the big 10 i'm glad they're coming back but it just it feels weird that they are and i don't i mean i i'm a big fan of the uh I'm a big fan of the pro- of the uh, process they have in place in terms of testing and what's going to be able to shut things down because it does seem pretty strict. So I like that they are at least taking that part of it seriously and they're going to it's going to require some um, 
some real truth telling on the part of the programs. We'll see how much that actually happens the first time that a team gets to a point where their practices must stop. We'll see if they actually report the numbers that are required to do so. But that that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Just I'm happy it's coming back, but it just feels strange. I, I think I, I agree with that. I mean, I, I don't think anyone who uh, listened to the pod that Matt and I gave uh, uh, did when this news was first announced would be surprised to hear that I'm extremely uncomfortable <laughs> with basically all of this. Uh, but uh, Matt, I'd like to hand the baton off to you. Uh, you know, uh, like we mentioned, we've had a few days to kind of get ourselves prepared for this. Uh, wh- what were your thoughts when you heard it come down today that, yeah, they're, uh, they're giving this a go. Uh, first of all, like Nick said, the, the testing protocols and the safeguards that they put in place are great. I, I think, though, that first and foremost was the number one concern. And I think that between the rapid testing and what happens if somebody gets it, the, the 21-day quarantine uh, as opposed to 14 days could be seen as excessive. But in this situation, you will never get flack from me or anybody else for being overly cautious. And then second of all, I was just happy for the players. Like, like my big thing is player empowerment, and I don't think I could give the take that I don't think they can play if they want to play. And I'm sure there's there's outside pressure for them to play, but at the end of the day, no human really worth anything is going to hold anything against a player for sitting out during a pandemic if those are their concerns. So if a player says they want to play, I think they should be allowed to, and I'm really happy they get that chance. Again, you can opt out and not lose a year of eligibility. I, I know for 99.9% of college kids, it's not about the year of eligibility. That's a year they're just going to lose in general, and, that, and that's horrible. But the fact that these players now have this choice to go out there and play the game they've been saying for months they want to play, I'm really happy for them, and I think that's very exciting. And then selfishly from a fan perspective, I've been watching college football. Um, it's been really fun to watch Army be amazing and Navy be terrible, which is just funny to me. But I- I'm excited to watch them get the chance to play. And the fact that they took a step back, reassessed the situation, and now can say, we still have an entire month to go before we kick off and we feel confident. Think about all the things we're going to learn in that next month, because we're seeing games get canceled all over the place from other conferences. So now the big 10 can learn from those mistakes, kick off at a time they feel is safer and still give these kids their best chance to go out there and have a season. And for those kids who have NFL aspirations to get more stuff on tape. So overall, I think it's a really big win I think the Big Ten proved that they made the smart decision, and and I think this is something that appeases almost everybody because you get to have your football, but you also get to make sure you're doing it as safely as possible. Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense. I mean, my my reservation has long stemmed from and will continue to stem from the fact that this is all happening um, during a global pandemic. It's happening during something that the, the Big Ten announced this news on the same day that the 200,000th American passed away uh, from COVID-19. It's like all, I feel like we have gotten to a point just generally uh, where despite the fact that we've had that many deaths in the United States, despite the fact that we are approaching you know, I have the numbers up here. We're at about 935,000 deaths 
worldwide. I feel like in the face of all of that, I am just not comfortable with too many things that establish people with any sense of normalcy because the time that we are living in right now is not normal. It is not normal for us to be here during a pandemic, especially a pandemic that is so easily spread from person to person. And I still have so many questions. How are we college football programs and college football coaches are notoriously willing to bend the truth in one way or another in an attempt, even if there is someone who is nominally the person to make sure they're, they're not lying. If a player is asymptomatic and it's been, you know, a week since they had a positive test, like I'm always going to be a little bit leery of coaches being there and telling the truth about everything that's going on out there because we just have so much evidence of college football coaches not being able to do that. I'm leery of the just human element of this. Like I I think back to the video at Florida State, not of people in the stands, which on its own is just, you know, I'm not going to swear on this podcast, but there are a lot of words that I like to, I would like to use uh, to explain what I thought about people sitting that close together without masks on their faces at Florida State's game from over this past weekend. But you saw videos of students partying, students celebrating, students trying to do not even tailgating at the stadium, at apartment complexes, have as close to what they imagine as a normal college football experience as they can possibly have. And yeah, I think that Penn State is doing, and the Big Ten in general, is doing a lot of good stuff to prevent what they can control. But you can't really control that. You can't control 18, 19-year-olds going, I want to be able to party with my friends because there is a college football game. And then when you look in State College, Pennsylvania, you know, the New York Times has its counter of the places where COVID cases are spiking. State College is number two in the United States for the fat, most rapid-growing outbreak. Penn State's online dashboard, 27% of on-demand tests that they have given have come back positive. Uh, Penn State Athletics, 50 positive tests within Penn State's athletic programs. And I, we still have no idea what's going, what it's going to look like two, three weeks into big college football games happening with potential spread within communities. So I think one thing that I, I one, I'd love to get answers for all of that. I would love to know what the like safeguards are in the instance of that. And I'd also love to know what happens. I would love someone to ask Sandy Barber, Kevin Warren, whomever it might be. Okay, let's look two weeks down the road. Uh, one of these schools that has college football suddenly becomes like the American epicenter for this crisis. Are we going to take a step back and then go, okay, you know what? Maybe we don't need to play football no matter how good our protocols are. And they are very good once we get to October 24th. So it's just like all this stuff in my head. And like, I know deep down inside that when Penn State's first game kicks off, I'm going like the switch is going to flip in my head. I'm no, I'm not going to care if the stadium's empty. I'm not going to care about any of these things. I'm just going to be happy to see Penn State football. But like, I just, there's always going to be that thing in my head and it just feels 
I, I don't know about you guys, but I have on here, we're going to discuss, is this the right decision? It feels to me like this is just caving into pressure, not from the White House, you don't need my thoughts on that, but it feels like it's caving to pressure from coaches, from players, from players' families, from whomever else at a time when they really do need to be strong, they need to be thoughtful about this, and they need to go, yes, we all want football, but the most important thing we want is for everyone to be okay. So let's get into this next thing. Is this the right decision? Uh, Matt, I'll let you go because my guess is Nick's going to be a little bit closer to what I had to say than you are, but it just it doesn't feel right to me. Real quick, going back to your point, is what happens in two weeks if one of these schools that's playing is is the you know national epicenter? That's why I think they did October twenty fourth instead of October tenth, like we've been hearing. I think this allows them to save face and say, no, like look, we still are going to play in the fall. But then if God forbid that scenario happens, they easily have that way out without having to start the season and putting all these kids at risk. So real quick, that's one thing. I, that's why I think that they opted for that later than expected October date than, than we were thinking just a few days ago. And if I think it's the right decision, I don't think it's black and white. I don't think it's yes, it is or, or no, it's not. Personally, I wouldn't play. I'm not going to attend a game if I was allowed to. But again, this is this is something I've gone back and forth because I don't really know how I feel about it because every part of me wants to say I think these kids should ultimately decide what they want to do. And, and if a kid wants to play and if I'm not in the program, none of us are in that program, if a kid feels and, and if his family feels and, and if these coaches feel that they can keep these players safe and do what they love. I don't think I could ever hold that against the student. Now, if a coach or a university or a program is not living up to those expectations, then I think the season should be shut down immediately. But if the, the people who are in charge of these kids can actually, for the first time, I think, in college football history, think of the player safety and keeping those kids safe first and foremost, I think this is fine. And I do think that these people in power for the first time are going to really focus on these kids because this is the first true threat to the college football ecosystem that I've seen in my lifetime. And I think everybody knows that. So their reasoning for keeping these kids as safe as possible maybe isn't, isn't the most morally correct, but at the end of the day, they're still going to do it. So I, I'm iffy. I, 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 I'm going to watch every game. I, I'm going to be super pumped about it. It, it is going to feel weird. It is going to feel bizarre. But at the end of the day, if, if the students feel it's safe, if those parents feel it's safe, and, and as long as they have that option to not play, uh, I'm leaning towards being okay with it. So it, b- before we go to Nick, is it okay if I just tell a really quick story from my time at Penn State? Yeah, go for it. So I had a class that had a few. Uh, did, have I told the uh, RG three story? I think you have. I think I know what you're talking about. Okay, well, just in case I haven't told on the pod before, I had a class with a number of Penn State football players when I was in school, uh, and the course had uh, 
it was ethics and sports were a, a uh a big element of it and there was a game where robert griffin the third tore his acl playing for washington uh on fedex field he was very obviously gimpy they kept sending him in because he refused to come out he really did not want to come out of the game it eventually cost him uh his acl and while we were in there every single not every single but a good number of the non student athletes in there were saying you have to throw yourself in front of this. You cannot let someone go out and potentially injure themselves because they want to play a game. And while we were doing that, the football players, one in particular, was adamant that it is not, he did not believe it was the view of a doctor. He did not believe it was the view of uh, a coach, whomever, to tell someone how their body felt. And you may hear that story and hear one side, another of whatever, but the takeaway from me is that every now and then you have to remember that you are dealing with 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 year olds, and they are competitive. They want to play. They have a sense of pride in putting on the uniform that really, really is admirable. But at the same time, you sometimes have to be willing to throw yourselves in front of what a person wants because what a person wants and what a person needs are not necessarily always going to be the same thing. So apologies if I've told that story before, but that that's just something that has been in my head because I do agree with Matt 99% of the time about you have to do what the, like what the players want is ultimately what is best for the players. And this is just the one time that I would uh, veer away from him. Uh, Nick, right, but yeah, go, ahead, go ahead. This was reviewed by doctors. For, for, as far as we know, the, the, it was a unanimous vote. I, I'm pretty sure that was a quote that came out from like the Northwestern AD or somebody. And, and the big thing has always been, how are we going to get Michigan on board? Because Michigan, what's Michigan's president again? Um, what's the, what's the doctor that he is or she is proper term. Um, I forget, but she, she's a medical doctor as opposed to most of the other Big Ten presidents who are not. And, and if that person signed off with the responsibility they have and, and the fact that this was approved by medical experts makes me feel OK. And, and I think it's important that I acknowledge that, that maybe I have my, my blue and white blinders on. And it's just, you know, I miss watching Penn State football and, and it's not fun watching other schools play. And I think that's part of it that I have to acknowledge but I, I keep on coming back to the fact that this was approved and, and built by very smart people in the medical community. And, and if they feel they can sign, maybe I'm putting too much trust in these people. If, if they feel they can sign their name to this saying this is as safe as possible. And, and if the player says they want to play, I, I'm leaning towards being OK. I, I don't feel 100 percent in like you have to play. But it's like, I don't know, like 65, 35 is that I, okay. I feel more comfortable playing than not. And, and I still have a lot of reservations. Yeah. Uh, Nick, if you, uh, apologies for uh, sucking the uh, air out of this, but by all means, please, uh, you, as much time as you would enjoy. I was going to say, Hey, yeah, I'm still here. Um, so the two, two things I'm just, instead of kind of sharing my own, I'm going to comment on two things that I've heard here. Um, the one talking about when you said what happened to that same point, the, what happens two weeks ahead, blah, 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 blah. The one thing I find it's sadly funny in my mind is that what have we been hearing from college football coaches in the Big Ten the last, I don't know, however many weeks now? Um, we want answers. We want answers. We don't have answers. 
how many of them are going to go on Twitter and go on rants asking about we want answers to all these questions that we're asking right now. None, obviously, because all they they just want to play football. But neither here or there. Just funny, funny in a sadistic kind of way. Oh yeah, I mean, co- point- co- coaches are like the most reserved. Qu- Nobody understands the value of withholding information better than a college football coach. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but to the other point you made about uh, kind of what happens if uh, suddenly this, co- like, let's say, state college, since it's already high on that list, what happens if cases just continue to spike and it continues to become an epicenter? Um, first of all, I do really like that point that you made, Matt, about how pushing back to October 24th gives them plenty of time for if that does happen, like, let's say, disaster scenario, state college is the epicenter for COVID in the world now, just extreme scenario. Um, you're right that given all this time, it does give them a really good opportunity to say, look what's happening. Clearly we can't do this. Um, so I do like that point a lot, but two, the, the point that was brought up about, uh, just, I mean, really just the original question is, is this the right decision to me? Even though it was originally announced that the season wasn't going to happen, all that, in my mind, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't up to, like, it didn't come down to this vote. It didn't come down to what the medical officers involved in this return to play committee have said. This decision was made the second that presidents decided students could come back on campus. As long as that happened, this was always the inevitable outcome. They were always going to play football because in reality, how can you say, and really it's both sides of the coin here. It's one, if you're going to not have college football, how can you say that it's safe enough for students to be on campus normally? I would argue it's way easier for the pandemic spread just with normal student activity than it is for the football team. So the reverse side of that coin then is how can you allow kids to be on campus and not allow football? The answer, I mean, the answer is easy. I still, you could very easily say that they can't have football but there's going to be too much pressure in the other direction to force you to play because all those other things are happening like normal, even though they shouldn't be happening like normal. There shouldn't be kids on college campuses right now. That's ridiculous. That absolutely should not be happening. But it is. So there's a very easy argument to make that if these, if let's say if Jimmy, the $10,000 a year scholarship science major, science major listen to me i don't know anything uh let's say the mechanical engineering what's your degree in science (laughs) let's say this this science i have a bachelor of science in science um but let's say jimmy gets ten thousand dollars a year on his scholarship to be a mechanical engineering major why why does he get to come on campus and act like a college kid and be a college kid and why why is he expected to do all these things, but a player who's on campus to play football is not. And that's kind of a thing, I think, in the favor of playing. If you're going to put college kids on campuses at colleges, you can't expect anything less than for them to act like college kids. I, I think all three of us, I think if we were at Penn State right now, I'm sure that we would be safe. I'm sure that we'd be taking precautions. I'm sure that we'd be wearing our masks. But, I mean, speaking for myself, I'm not going to say that I wouldn't go to parties. I'm not going to say I wouldn't do any of that. I'm a college kid in this scenario. I'm going to want to be a college kid. So if you're going to put these guys on campus, I don't know how you can expect them to not want this. I don't know how you ever would have expected them to not 
mount this uh, resistance to the season being canceled, postponed, whatever terminology they wanted to use. This was always going to be the outcome, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I think that makes sense. And I also believe, uh, and this is something that I think Matt mentioned when we did our first podcast on this uh, a few months ago, but it, it seemed like the Big Ten was very much banking on a domino effect. I, I, like, I don't think uh, that's a particularly controversial thing, but it, it seems like the Big Ten was anticipating we're going – us and the Pac-12 will do our thing, and then the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12 will follow suit. And those conferences, for one reason or another, just didn't. So, like, I, I, I completely— It's, the, it's yeah. the superiority complex, you know? The Big, the Big Ten wants to be the vanguard of the Power Five conferences. They, they thought that if they canceled, everyone else would follow suit because— mm-hmm. and, and they announced first because they— I think they want to be the ones to say, "Hey, we led this charge." Like, I don't, I don't think that's unreasonable at all. They like, they like have that feeling of superiority over the other conferences. Right. I also think yeah. they thought they could get enough time in there to maybe everyone else postpones, and you can kind of work something out to to get all five Power Five conferences to work together towards something. I think Kevin Warren being a young commissioner, <laughs> that's honestly, funny. I think Kevin Warren being a young commissioner, I think he really thought that would be something they could work out because. When you get those fun non-conference games, all that fun stuff, that's good for everybody. I, I honestly think that at the very beginning, I think he thought that canceling early would make it possible for at least one or two conferences to work closely with the Big Ten and give them enough time to work something out. Yeah, and Bill, I know you're about to talk, but just rant question. Go ahead. How many times, how many times do you think all five power conference power conference commissioners spoke together oh zero zero cancellations there there is no doubt in my mind that there were i I mean was it basically reported that like the other conferences were the reason they were so peeved with the big 10 was that they uh kind of went rogue in all this i feel like i i don't remember that i I very well might be wrong but like that's that either that sounds like something i've heard or something that was speculated but uh regardless i mean it's like there, I have wondered um, a lot about Warren's role in all of this, and I think you guys basically know where I stand, which is that um, if I say the name Samuel Stanley to you, uh, you have no idea who he is, but you very much know who Kevin Warren is. Uh, Samuel Stanley is the president of Michigan State, and he's one of the people who voted uh, to postpone the season originally. And I think Warren's main goal here is to basically just take all the criticism that came the Big Ten's way uh, instead of the people who actually voted to say, no, let's not play football this year. Uh, and my proof of that is that the president of the United States did not call any of the 10, uh, any of the 14 big 10 presidents. He called one person in particular and it was Kevin Warren and like probably told him about a time that Dave Winfield was mean to him at a party, but neither here nor there. Uh, what I, do commissioners do? I still don't understand. I mean, that that's, I, I, That's I, my I, biggest takeaway right. from this. Right. Like, I basically think that they, they're the people who kind of coordinate the PR effort, the PR and everything. Like, they're the person who goes onto TV and speaks for the entire conference. But, like, I don't They are I, Jeff yeah. Long. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's, like, off base to say it doesn't seem like. It doesn't seem like there was any, like, gigantic unilateral step that Warren took, correct? I don't think so. 
Yeah, like, I don't I, think so either. Real quick, uh, the king, Mitch Stewart, also agrees that bagels are bad. Okay, no, 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 no. What Mitch said is that biscuits reign supreme, and I am not going to sit here and say that biscuits aren't just incredible. Come on, Matt, be reasonable. Biscuits are certainly the more versatile of the two foods, but if yes. you're if you're telling me I can either have a biscuit or a bagel for breakfast, I know what I'm picking. Yes, I, biscuits are better. Like I generally prefer biscuits for dinner, neither here nor there. Uh, let's talk. Uh, oh, oh, also, there's just one last thing that I really want answered, and obviously none of us can answer this question, but I would love it, love, 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 love it. If someone would go up to one of the coaches who was banging the drum loudest for getting back out there, whether it is James Franklin, whether it is Ryan Day, whether it is uh, Jim Harbaugh, uh, not Scott Frost because he's not a serious person, but neither here nor there, one of the coaches who has been the loudest about all this, and I just want to know, I desperately want to know if they're going to think that it was worth getting doing all of this if on the day before their biggest game of the year they get to the stadium and learn that 10 10 starters are unable to go because they all failed tests like it's i I completely understand why they put in the 21 day thing like on one hand it's medically sound but on the other hand it's meant to be a bit of a deterrent but god i cannot i Well, I can wait to see the reaction because I don't want this to happen, but I would be fascinated at the reaction uh, from one from a coach who, as we mentioned, are the biggest control freaks in the entire world getting to the stadium and suddenly learning that, uh, oh, by the way, uh, Justin Fields and Chris Olave can't play against Michigan or, uh, you know, just something of that magnitude ends up popping up. It's there's just so much that is that I think is still not totally been answered yet. And I think the next couple of weeks are going to be interesting getting that all sorted out. But before we get to that, I mean, I do want to talk about what it seems like they're going to be doing, Nick. And like for, for all the concern that I have, it does seem like while I think that playing, doing anything in general during a global pandemic is insane, like having on campus, anything is insane. Classes is insane. Uh, anyone, you know, anyone going into an office is insane and going to, you know, those sorts of things. I do think that considering this reality that everyone has kind of been pushed into, the Big Ten does seem like, as Matt mentioned earlier, the go that they are going to give it is about as good as you can imagine based on all the protocols they have in place. Yeah, I think the way that they're doing it with uh, not only not only considering the team positivity rate, but the population positivity rate as well. I think that's I think it's about the best you can do um, in a way that is both reasonable and strict at the same time. Um, because I, I like that because if you do something. If you go too strict, like, uh, I mean, right now, in order to definitely, definitely have your practice stopped, your team positivity rate needs to be greater than 5%, and your population positivity rate needs to be greater than 7.5%. That being said, I don't, there, the scenario laid out where your team positivity rate is from 0 to 2, so in the green zone, but the population is above 7.5, so a red, that is not outlined, so I'm curious what happens in that scenario. Um, or vice versa, obviously, but I think that would be 
I mean, the one thing I will say, I think if you read for team positivity rate, positivity rate shouldn't matter what's going on with the population. That should be an automatic stop. But I think it's about as good as you can do it because given these percentages and the, I mean, the, I think the orange zone's probably a little too lenient, and I'll talk about those restrictions in just a second. But it allows for the it allows for the possibility of some false positives because we have seen that in baseball specifically. Um, so even if not saying that those guys still wouldn't have to go to, through the quarantine period or at least part of it, I'm sure they would. But the possibility of some of those popping up, there's still some leniency in the percentages to allow for that happening. Um, the only qualm that I have is the the orange, orange and the orange, red being the team positivities, orange in both of those and the second number, the orange or the red referring to the population. The verbiage around that is team must proceed with caution and enhance COVID-19 prevention, uh, which includes altering practice and meeting schedules, considering viability of continuing with scheduled competition. Obviously, college football coaches are not, it's not, they're going to continue as if it's green, 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 orange and normal practice. Like they're not going to take, if there's any extra COVID-19 prevention, I think it would be altering meeting schedules and that about that's about it. I don't think anyone's going to alter their practice or anything like that. I don't think there's going to be any real proceeding with caution, whatever that means. It's, it's I think it's pretty clearly written vaguely, in my opinion. So that is my that's my only qualm with it. I think the rest of it's pretty good. I think there should be a little more definition around what happens when you reach that orange zone, though. I think there needs to be a little more specificity around what those cautionary steps need to actually be. Yeah, uh, Matt, your your thoughts on all this? I agree completely. I, I think you need to have very clear expectations about the orange phase because, like Nick said, you're going to practice as if you're good to go. Like, if you if you have that option, I mean, proceed with caution. What does that mean? Like, I, I have no idea because you should already be as cautious as possible. So I, I, I don't really think that really means anything. And I'd like to know what that means. Um, I think daily testing is great. I, I think we're going to having, what is it, almost a full month? Daily testing starts the 30th. So we're going to have almost a full month of those daily tests. And I, I think that's going to be huge because if we're being honest, I, I think Penn State's going to head the UNC route pretty soon. And I think regular students are not, not that the NCAA wants you to think that that the football players aren't regular students. I, I think they're going to be sent home here pretty quickly. And then I think we're just heading into full on bubble territory. So I think daily testing for almost a month straight before we even see the field is huge. And I, I'm just curious to see how, how everything else kind of plays out. But I, I do agree with Nick about that orange phase. That, that doesn't really mean anything to me. Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting that they have so many safeguards in place for so many uh, different potential, um, so many different potential outcomes, but it, it does seem like there isn't the full safeguard against a college football coach being a college football coach, and you know, thinking that we need this extra day of practice, even if the rules say we have to shut down, blah blah blah, like all those sorts of things. So that, like, that's something that I'm absolutely going to be uh, keeping an eye on, and then I'm. It, I'm not weirded out. Like in a way I'm glad they're doing it, but the fact that it sounds like an experiment with how like, Oh, by the way, if you get this, you're going to be uh, put into a cardiac registry so we could figure all this out like that, that that's the intentions are good. And it sounds like that's something to maybe get people on board with it. But that is like a little, uh, a little bit weird to me, but like, as, 
as I'm sitting here, I, I think that we're in for, you know, in two weeks, they're going to be starting daily testing. God knows what uh, all these various campuses are going to look like in that time. But it does seem like we're going to uh, we're heading towards some stuff happening at a few schools, Penn State included, just based off of what we have seen out of uh, testing and all that stuff. But it's a it's a weird time. Uh, you Do you guys want to end by talking about relatively good news and Pat coming back? Yeah, I, I think we can also say that for all of our for all of our uncertainty about the Big Ten happening, like like Bill said before, the second the second they kick off, we're all still going to flip into fan mode. We're all still going to be happy that we get to watch Penn State football. So, I, I mean, hopefully, hopefully testing goes well. Hopefully, um, I mean, as as ridiculous as it is that students probably are going to be sent home at some point, and it's just going to be football players on campus, and still they will be thought of just as normal students, what? And not special. Are, are you telling it's, me? Yeah, that- are you telling me they wouldn't use that very obvious situation to declare that they are more than just a student to, uh, like, comp- per- perhaps compensate? Like, I, I don't want to say anything crazy here, like, acknowledging that um, this is being done to generate billions upon billions of dollars. No, nothing nothing like that. I will say, I, my, um, what's the one? My optimism about college football and college athletes in general getting paid is at an all-time low because this was the chance and it's it's not happening. So I I become more and more pessimistic every day that college football and college athletes in general are ever going to take a stand to get the pay that they deserve. Um, but that being said, I, I, I hopefully things go well with testing and everything goes well over the next uh, slightly over a month now until the first game is going to kick off because – for all of our pessimism and all of our disappointment, maybe not disappointment, but for all of our uh, very worthwhile and, uh, I don't know what word I'm looking for there, but for all of our reservations that are very warranted, it's not like I'm not excited to watch Penn State football. Like I, I am very excited to see this team, even without Micah Parsons. Now, I will say, I think if Micah decided he really did want to come back, I feel like they probably would make that work. I know he signed with an agent under normal circumstances. That wouldn't be possible, but clearly this is not normal circumstances. I think he stays away regardless. I think that's the right decision for him. Let but, him keep the bag if he opts back in. Let him yeah. keep the bag. <laughs> Let him roll up to the game in a Bentley and then yeah. just absolutely eat and then go home. Let him keep the bag. <laughs> I do think one once just to shift to just the pure football mindset for a moment, a brief moment, this is going to be a really good Penn State team, and I am really excited to watch them play. So I hopefully by then testing has gone well, and we can kind of focus on that part a little more. Hard to do right now. Right now it's really just a lot of like what we've been talking about, a lot of trying to rationalize what's happening and not being able to do so because, frankly, it's still pretty stupid that they're playing. But it, it is it is still going to be nice to get to watch Penn State football, even though as a country, we we don't deserve college football. We haven't done what we need to do to really. We haven't done what we need to do to watch any sports. It's sports should be a reward for a functioning society. They shouldn't be 
an escape for us to pretend like the rest of the world isn't happening because it is. But um, on the, on the, at least that very sliver of positivity, I am excited to see this Penn State team. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, I, I think we all. Uh, reserve the right to change our mind about our level of excitement based on um, you, you You know we're not doing a video call right now but imagine me gesturing at everything uh, but yeah it's a uh, it, there's certainly going to be something uh, cathartic about seeing Penn State play football again uh, well I, I don't know about you guys and this is not reporting anything I would be shocked if Micah is able to come back. Um, dude put his name on a on a contract somewhere. Uh, dude presumably put his name on a contract somewhere and I can't like I can't imagine the NCAA buckling on that, but uh, neither here nor there. Let's uh Can I give one last quick take? Well I was gonna say let's talk about the team really quickly, but if you would like to add any sort of take, by all means Matt, go for it. Yeah. I'm like 20%. I have a 20% like thought in my brain that they're not going to play because that's why they delayed for so long. And they just did this to save face, save face that they're still like a legit conference. There's like 20% of me that thinks that. Interesting. I, I, I hadn't considered the possibility, um, that this is all just a joke. (laughs) Like I, (laughs) Like, like look at like look how bad like Georgia Southern had like thirty five dudes who weren't available for, for various reasons and, and tests and cases are skyrocketing in the Big Ten country like there's like I, I don't really believe it but there's like a part of me that's like maybe they're just doing this to save face and then they can kind of just be like oh like look everything got canceled anyway but we tried to play it's, and that would save face there's like part of me that thinks that right because like the one complaint that everyone has had even even if you're someone like me who doesn't want them to be doing this is I would really like it if they had a plan like at all. And this does give them an opportunity to say, well, listen, we, we had ourselves a plan and, uh, that look at how it turned out. So yeah, that's a, that is the more that I think about it, the more that doesn't seem completely insane. Um, but you know, there's, a lot of things that would have to end up going into it. So, uh, hey, what's uh, what, what, let's end really quickly, and I'm sure we'll end up doing more podcasts uh, in which we address this stuff by talking about Penn State's football team. I mean, this is the the thing that we know about this team. The one thing that we know for certain is that even without Micah Parsons uh, and Nick, tell me if you agree with me or not. The only Penn State team that James Franklin has had who I think is anywhere near as talented as them is the 2017 Penn State team. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I think that, man, I'd have to I'd have to think back more about the defensive players on the 2017 team. I think this team might have a stronger overall just defensive roster. Even without Micah, although without Micah, maybe it's close. Um, I don't think they're obviously they're not they don't stack up offensively to that 2017 squad because that 2017 squad was just absolutely loaded. Yeah, on it, had like, it had like five pro skill position players on it. So that like, yeah, we'll pump the brakes on that. But <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's it's it is a really, really talented roster. And I think the only thing that would hold them back from 
achieving their full potential would be one, the receivers not taking the steps they need to without a normal full off season of working with stubble field and the offense as a whole, not picking up the scheme as quickly as they want to with the whole offensive uh, Kirk Sriracha. So we'll see. Yeah. uh, That something I have wondered is in the event that they did end up playing, if this extra time on campus and extra time to learn would impact them at all. But that's a, that's certainly something to keep an eye on. Like Matt, what are your general overarching thoughts as we go from speculating about whether there will be football to knowing that there is going to be football? Oh, I had the take last year that the 2019 season was the best season under James Franklin, which I still believe. And I think a lot of the dudes who made that season possible are back. So I think this is, even without Micah, I think the defense is worlds better. Like I, I think it's ridiculously better. I think the offensive line is better. Quarterback, probably not. Running back, it depends how you want to view the committee. It's, it's a pretty good – like are you going to tell me that Noah Kane, Journey Brown, and Devin Ford can't match one Saquon and, and kind of half Miles Sanders? I think, I think it's realistic. fair to say the running game overall is better because that way you're also including yes. the offensive line. Yes. Yeah, good point. Good point. Um, tight end, we'll call it even, um, receivers. I don't know what wide receivers are anymore. Um, no, I think this is an insanely talented team. I think this is a team that can really push for, you know, the big 10 title. And and I don't really don't know what the playoff is, if it's still a thing or or what's going to happen, but you know, just from a, from a purely fun perspective, this is going to be a ton of fun. This team is super talented from top to bottom. There's pros everywhere. There's a fun mix of those veterans who are going to push for, for their last chance to make an impact and young dudes and first time starters who have been role players who are ready for breakout years. So I'm super pumped. I think this is going to be a, a really fun team in a very not fun season. Yeah. The, the thing that I'm stuck on is how the margin of error is now going to be so much slimmer uh, just because I mean, margin of error is going to be bigger. Apologies, because now that it's an eight-game season, and well, nine-game season, because they have uh, the we. It's only weird because it's new, but in theoretically, I love the idea of conference championship weekend being everyone plays the team in the same spot as them on the other side of the conference. Like that is, I hope they take that into a into the future, maybe knock off one conference game and put that at the very end because we don't need, like, I'd much rather watch, I'd much rather watch Penn State play Iowa in uh, some, like, uh, something that means something at the end of the year than just a random game at some point. So that's a, it's an idea that I really love. But now with eight games, Penn State can't afford to have you know, last year's let down against Minnesota or the last two years let down against Michigan State if it wants to get to where it wants to go because you're going to have to put a seven, eight, nine game sample up against bigger samples by, against SEC teams, against uh, ACC teams, against Big 12 teams if you want to make it into the playoff, if you want to make it into whatever sort of bowls that you want to do. And, you know, we have number, we have S&P Plus, we have whatever to kind of, uh, we all those sorts of things as a 
kind of safeguards against that, those advanced metrics that can give you answers on how a thing will look. But we, you have to be on your game every single time that you go out. And fortunately for Penn State, it has a outside of wide receivers, offense has a ton of veterans in it. Its defensive line is a very, it's a group that has a ton of snaps. Its secondary is a group that has a ton of snaps. Things are shaping up, so as long as this Penn State team can avoid shooting itself in the foot, they're go- they have an eight, nine game season, whatever it might be. If they can win eight football games, if they can beat Ohio State, they have everything in front of them. And I'm going to be interested to see what the schedule looks like, how things are going to be mapped out, all of that. So, yeah, we're in a, we're in a very, very interesting position. It's going to be a fun couple of weeks. Uh, Matt, Can I end with two hypothetical questions? Well, I was going to say, Matt, do you have any final thoughts? And then I was going to say, Nick, do you have any final thoughts? Okay. So, Matt, any final thoughts? And if not, we'll go to Nick for his, uh, for, for his hypotheticals at the very end. Put Northwestern on the schedule so I can hashtag release the Northwestern preview. Also, um, if you were to tell me I get to watch Rutgers and Nebraska. Roar Wildcats, roar, baby. Rutgers and Nebraska play because they're going to be the two worst teams in mid-December. I could not Dude, want anything no, more. That is the awesome. best thing about this. For real, like, can you imagine they push the Big Ten title game you know, push it back a week. Like, give the teams an extra week to prepare for one another as they're going into this after they just learn. But also, use that final weekend as an opportunity to, like, put the Big Ten in the spotlight. And also, it would be so funny. Can you imagine a weekend where it's nothing but it's nothing but Big Ten games, and I think it would maybe be Army and Navy as the last one. And, like, people who were starved for college football got to go, ah, hell. I have to watch Maryland play against Northwestern. That would be so funny, man. They need to it do It could this. be a week where we can publicly shame Scott Frost. Are it, you kidding me? Exactly. <laughs> right. We can uh, tell Scott Frost that he wants to be number one in – uh, the Big Ten West, and then we empirically show that he is uh, number six. So, yeah. I Nick. want I want the last place game to become a yearly tradition that right. has a trophy. Oh, yes. Oh, that's such a good idea. <laughs> that's all I want. Okay, hypothetical question number one. This one is a more serious one and a funny one. So the more serious one, let's say... Uh, let's say, all right, let's say Penn State for whatever reason, let's say that they, let's say they go undefeated, includes win over Ohio State. So great playoff resume. And let's say in this scenario that they have the playoff figured out and that the Big Ten can go to the playoff and all that. What happens if, say, week two or week three, let's say it's against, like, I don't know. Well, I won't say a week because I don't know who they're playing. Let's say Penn State's playing against, Indiana, whatever that is. And let's say the entire offensive line is out because of quarantine protocol. But Um. they find out they were false positives, whatever. They're back for the rest of the year like normal. Full roster the rest of the year. They win every single game the rest of the way. How does the playoff committee take into account a game lost because in this example, an entire offensive line, or let's say in another example, you're – 
top three quarterbacks on your death chart are all out for a game. How does the playoff take into account a loss due to that when you win the rest of your games with a full schedule or a full roster? Excuse me. Hmm. I mean, you have to consider everything, right? Like, allegedly, it, right? Like, if I mean, it, <laughs> on a on a on a much smaller scale, like if uh, Ohio State played Penn State last year. Uh, well, I won't even say if Ohio State played Penn State last year. If Ohio State played um, Indiana week two, and Justin Fields was out for that game, and they narrowly lost, and then he came back, and then they just torched everybody else, I th- think that that is something that would matter. And we know that if you lose a game early in the season, you can overcome that. Like it's something that they've. When you lose, it's just almost as important as who you lose to. So, yeah, I, I, I think they would keep that in mind, and it would be uh, something that hangs over everything as, uh, as they make those decisions. I mean, to what degree, though, do you consider? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. if you really want to get nitpicky, look back at 2017, Penn State played most of that game against Ohio State without their starting left tackle and their best defensive end, mm-hmm. being Ryan Bates and Ryan Buckles, and they still only lost by one. And I know they went on to lose to Michigan State after that, but even if they even if they had beaten Michigan State, I would say that they probably still weren't going to make the playoff that year because that spot was going to go to Ohio State. That's different, though. I think one or two. I don't know where the line is, but it's somewhere between one or two of your really good players and and a whole position unit. And yeah. I, I think yeah. I think offensive line is very unique. Like linebacker, you can like get by with safeties. Safety, you can get by with corners. Like I think it's a little bit different. And, and let's be honest, when the Big Ten, I know when the Big Ten, when the College Football Playoff Committee sits down to determine all this stuff, they're not determining um, based on anything set. Like, at the end of the day, they are ultimately saying who are the four teams that we think deserve to be in this, and they let the definition of deserve change every single year. So I, I think they would keep they would consider that, but they would also only consider it enough to whatever extent helps them pick what they think would be the best, uh, be the best playoff. Yeah, I could, I could take that question even further. And let's say Ohio state's only loss was to Penn state and it was by one point and they were out like their two starting quarterbacks, but I won't. Oh, they, they, we'll, we'll oh they, they'd absolutely make the excuse for Ohio state. Like, come on. Yeah, I'll, I'll continue on. All right. So the, my fun, my fun hypothetical question what is one so given that we are most likely I mean no we're actually not we're not going to have any fans in Big Ten stadiums did they say families we're going to get to I think they yeah might fam- have. families they're going to do families I think okay so I mean families let's pretend they're not really let's they're not making any noise let's pretend the stadiums are empty what is the one play because the thing I've really enjoyed about no fans at baseball games is that it's really fun to actually listen to what plays gets the benches really excited because normally you can't hear that. But like uh, Kyle Lewis on the Mariners robbed a grand slam a couple days ago and the bench just went absolutely nuts. Like you could hear very clearly on the broadcast. So what is one play over the last uh, one to, I don't really care how many years, what is one play over the last however many years that you think would have been the most fun to happen in an empty stadium just because you wanted to hear the reaction of the sideline? I have mine. I'll let you guys go first. Though. Uh, Brandon Smith trucking that guy last year. Oh, that was mine. <laughs> that was, 
That's fine too. Do you know oh, do you know why I said that? Because I knew that was going to be all of your answers. <laughs> so okay, we'll we'll take that out of it. What is uh what what else would you put into this conversation? Man, you could probably hear that hit from Altoona without any people to block that noise. Oh my yeah, god. With a lovely slice of Altoona pizza in your hand. I'll I'll uh, now that we've now that we've taken away mine, I'll go first because I have a good other one. Um, I think the the Saquon direct snap touchdown run against Michigan. God, that was my next one. <laughs> yeah, I think that would have been a fun one because I feel like that's the kind of one where the sideline knew it was a touchdown. Probably, I mean, the second that Gary ducked in because he because he didn't know what he was supposed to do in that in that scenario because the the play just completely switched sides on him. I think the second that he took like two steps towards Barkley, I, I think probably the entire sideline knew it was a touchdown. If not, if no one else, Jomo definitely knew it was a touchdown. You definitely would have been, hear, been able to hear him. Mine's not a play. My, mine's a moment. When TCF picked off, um, who the heck is Michigan? Jay Patterson last year on the screen pass. I <laughs> also Sh- thought about that Sh- one. Tony did finger guns right in his face. I think <laughs> the sideline would have been going insane. That's my pick. Hmm. I'm, I, I almost said that one. I would say, uh, does it have to be Penn State Stadium or is it just any empty stadium? Oh, it can be anywhere. Um, KJ, uh, his touchdown uh, catch against Maryland last year where he just like kept putting dudes on skates and starting and stopping and all of that. And just absolutely nobody like, like it was like he was Teflon. Just nobody could get a hand on him. He just kept moving around. I can imagine that you hear the entire sideline just getting increasingly louder and louder as that's all happening. So I would, I, I'd like to, uh, I don't know that or it'd be like, it, or it would be like the double pop, like, you know, the, um, that great video of the Florida one, yeah, like double pop where you start cheering and then the cheering gets louder because something else happens. Mm-hmm. I feel like it'd be like on the south line, you hear like, oh, 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 like something like that. There, oh, God, that's a that's a vine. I can't think of which vine it is, but there, there's a, there's oh, a the oh, it's the battery pop. one. It's the battery one. A, yeah. All right. I, I I am a sick, sick person. But yeah, that's a that, that, that's a fun little note to end on. Uh, I think that. Um, Covered a lot of ground here today. This actually went a lot longer than I anticipated it going, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm uh, very glad on that. Any any final thoughts uh, before I do the, the normal end of podcast thing? Taking that as a no. All right. Stay healthy. Yes, of course, obviously. Uh, number one, thank you very much for listening to this edition of Royal Lions Radio. Please, everyone, stay safe, stay healthy, keep six feet apart, wear masks, wash your hands, all the stuff that you need to do, uh, that we all need to do in order to stay safe during what is, again, an unprecedented time. Uh, if you were enjoyed this episode of the podcast or any other episodes of the podcast, please uh, head over to any of the various platforms where you can find this, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever it might be. Subscribe, leave us a review, all those sorts of things. Make sure you keep reading and supporting the site. Follow us on our social media channels. And of course, if you can, buy some shirts. They're still as great as ever. And uh, hopefully we have some fun stuff in the cards, but That might be uh, getting a bit ahead of myself. Uh, One last time, thank you very much for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. For my co-host, Nick Polak, Matt Filipovitz, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone.
wear a mask, wash your hands, and don't eat any bagels.